Welcome to Vistas by WebCheck Security. News, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Produced by WebCheck Security. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. In today's podcast, we look forward to cyber safety and trends in 2023. One recent cyber report by Avante suggested that only 20% of all CISOs expressed confidence that they were at the same cyber postures last year or marginally ahead. But 20% is not very good. What do we need to be concerned about in 2023? And what are the trends? Stay tuned and find out. Vistas is honored to be sponsored by Nexus IT, a worry-free, hyper-responsive approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions so leaders can focus on their business. Shout out to an amazing leader, Earl Foote, the CEO and co-founder of Nexus IT, and we're so grateful that he is sponsoring this podcast. Now to our guest. Me. <laughs> I'm the host of the Monthly Vistas podcast and the CEO of WebCheck Security, a world-class penetration testing and risk mitigation company. Typically, we'll have a guest on Vistas, but um, today I wanted to talk about things that have been on my mind. And so I'm it. WebCheck Security specializes in expert testing of all platforms, encompassing all standards, as well as high-level fractional chief information security officer advisement and risk compliance execution. Well, having enjoyed the holidays, we're back and ready to help our clients in 2023 to improve cyber posture, uncover unknown risks, and enable their business development by helping them to validate all stakeholders, clients, partners, and regulatory bodies that they follow best practices. So I provide a webinar at least once a month. I do these podcasts. I do other presentations to our uh, clients, MSP, CPA, and VAR partners, and I become involved with several hundred client deals every year. In 2022, one thing became clear. It's not the technology per se that keeps our clients safe. It's not that they do penetration testing annually and scanning quarterly, nor that they conduct cyber assessments and risk assessments. It's not even that they have a 24-7 SOC as a service or Security Operations Center as a service and that they're monitoring multiple technologies through logs, through NetFlow, etc. Although that's a great thing to have. It's an advanced thing to have that most companies don't have on their critical assets. So what is it then that keeps rearing its uh, ugly head as we discuss uh, these things with client after client Okay, I'll tell you, his cyber governance is <laughs> not a very sexy answer. Well, what does that mean? I'll tell you. It means the C-suite has not bought into cybersecurity. Or let me rephrase that. An effective cyber governance program means that the C-suite has bought into cybersecurity. It means the organization has a cyber program manager. In other words, it could be a CISO, a Chief Information Security Officer, although most organizations don't have one or can't afford one. So it may be uh, even a, an IT manager or director that has been charged with cybersecurity and driving cyber initiatives. But someone has to be in charge of developing the program 
developing metrics, KPIs, and, and reporting on those metrics and KPIs. That is cyber program management, or in other words, good cyber governance. This, of course, overlaps and, 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 and overlays on risk and compliance. And although the intent of this particular podcast content today is not to talk all about standards and risk and compliance, it is a big part of good cyber governance. It means the organization is following a cyber best practices framework. And it means that they have what my good friend uh, Romaine Marshall calls a WISP. That is a written information security plan. Romaine, by the way, is one of our dear uh, cyber lawyer friends, and he specializes through Postinelli Law in privacy, data security, and cyber law. So the WISP, Written Information Security Plan, or written policy. That means policies, practices, and procedures that are like a business plan in writing, but it follows a best practices framework. So think of your business for a minute. Do you have a business plan? Hopefully you said yes, (laughs) or at least an annual articulation and publication internally of your goals, your KPIs, your procedures. Most businesses do have a business plan. And think of the alternative. If your business has no plan, no goals, no objectives, no executional guidelines, chances are it will fail or it won't optimally produce the revenue, acquire the clients, uh, deliver the services that that, uh, you're wanting to deliver. Well, similarly, so think about that in terms of cyber program management. Good cyber program management will have an InfoSec policy an information security policy that covers all the bases. Well, that all sounds well and good, but where do you start? If this has been a problem, a noticeable issue with so many of our clients, why don't they have it? Well, let's, let's think about a business du jour. Most businesses are doing a thing. They're manufacturing a widget. They're selling boats. They're selling cars. And incidentally, even car dealerships now are being cracked down upon by the FTC, yes, the Federal Trade Commission, in what's called the FTC Safeguards Rule. And that means protecting all the privacy info that they garner from you and I when we go into buy and finance a car. Car dealerships are now liable for um, (laughs) data protection. Uh, And that's maybe another story for another day. But All of those policies uh, need to cover the bases, no matter what business you're in. So again, back to the car dealership. So you're selling cars and you're busy advertising and pleasing clients and producing the service that keeps those cars running and the client happy. It's hard to, to pause or to invest in hiring someone or charging someone with cybersecurity, particularly when they already have other duties. Again, it's what I call business du jour. You're in the process of making, selling, manufacturing, providing service. And so sometimes it's hard to start. So a part of this podcast is, is to suggest some things that you can do to start that process. And again, it's it's very common. We we get our partners coming to us with new clients saying, hey, Greg, we got this manufacturer. And their sister manufacturing company or their uh, colleagues were hacked. So they're concerned. 
the the president of of the company is is wondering what would happen if we were hacked. Hmm, that's a good place to start. It's too bad that something bad has to happen to somebody we know, or in many cases to them. Hey, we just had an incident. Uh, we had a ransomware attack, or we experienced wire fraud, and uh, Sally in accounts payable accidentally wired $25,000 to um, what she thought was one of our suppliers. And boy, it was, it looked really good. The email trail looked so compelling. This happens all the time. I'm not making this up, right? So where do you start? Well, first of all, <laughs> let, let's start with a plan, right? And uh, that's what's known as a best practices framework. Now, this particular content Maybe a little behind for some of you that are more advanced, but bear with me because we're going to get into a little bit more advanced stuff. But if you're not familiar with cybersecurity governance, a good place to start is the CIS. CIS stands for Center for Internet Security. It used to be part of the SANS uh, organization, which is a great organization for cyber training and cyber intel. Uh, but at some point, they spun off the Center for Internet Security. And uh, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more in, in, um, in a minute. Um, but uh, a cyber framework, there's also NIST. Uh, many of you on this podcast have heard of NIST. There's the National Institutes for Standards and Technology. Been around since the 20s, but uh, the NIST cybersecurity stuff only came into play more recently. There are other certification frameworks, such as HITRUST, ISO 27001. These are internationally recognized standards, high trust more so in healthcare, ISO more so in Europe, but becoming very popular in the United States. ISO, or the International Standards Organization, is often associated with quality, and so some time ago they developed a quality cyber governance certification. And so if you're ISO 27001 certified, why then you have followed 14 specific cyber annex controls you have an information security management system in place that means governance iterative um, quality improvement in your cyber program management and assigned roles that extend up to uh, the c-level and, and the board so iso 27001 has gained in popularity and 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 could be considered a, a framework NIST and CRS, CIS are a little bit more comprehensive in terms of actual practices and areas of coverage. And uh, I'll tell you, we also like CIS because it's broken up into three implementation groups. You can be very basic and, hey, we just want to achieve the first hurdle in cybersecurity. And that's called the CIS basic. There's in uh, your, your foundational and then on to enterprise and each one covers a few different control areas. Now, there's also PCI, HIPAA, NERC, ITAR, SEC, and FTC safeguards. Many of you may be beholden to some of those more regulatory bodies. HIPAA, for example, is not really a framework. It uh, is more a regulatory standard that says, hey, you need to protect PII. And it does specify some things, but it's not really a framework. Now, PCI, on the other hand, was designed for the card industry and really only applies to the cardholder data environment, or in other words, that area where card data is stored, processed, and transmitted. And the idea is to segment that down so that 
that standard will only apply to a small part of the network or the assets that you're reaching for externally and processing on, including web properties. So PCI can't really be considered an overarching governing framework, although the 12 uh, foundational areas of PCI are ex extremely um, robust and, and we're in fact taken in collaboration with NIST. Um, it, it again usually applies just to the cardholder data environment. So we suggest uh, starting with CIS and then that can be mapped to all of the other different standards. In fact, one of the areas that WebCheck Security has been so successful in is conducting assessments based on CIS to help an organization prepare for, say, for example, SOC 2, but at the same time mapping all of the controls to PCI and whether they're covered under HIPAA or any of these other standards. So we have matrices that we provide to organizations to do that, and uh, it really doesn't cost much more to, to, to provide those assessments. And uh, those organizations are much wiser uh, after that kind of an assessment. Well, so back to the original thought. Where do you start? We suggest you start with the Center for Internet Controls, the CIS. Now, many clients don't know what they don't know or how to govern. So a common statement in our sales, uh, by our sales clients, and I may have mentioned this before, but hey, management's concerned because our competitor was breached. And uh, we want to know what our exposure is. And, and, and a good way to find out is to do uh, a risk assessment. <laughs> the downside of that is clearly companies that ask that haven't been following anything. And, and so the sky's the limit for them. That's the good news. <laughs> so hopefully they haven't experienced uh, any kind of a data incident. And since they don't have a playbook, they wouldn't know what to do. But the rest of this podcast, we'll talk about uh, how to put those policies and practices in place. All right, we'll come back to these thoughts in a moment, but we need to shout out to our sponsoring partner, Nexus IT. Look, if you need great IT governance and a cyber-minded MSP or managed service provider, look no further. Nexus IT's got you covered. Do you need data storage that aligns to your industry's regulations? Do you need appropriate documentation of compliance efforts to prepare you for potential audits? You don't have the time or the manpower to create those templates, um, to deploy uh, servers and other technology properly, or do you just need certain things monitored? Well, tried and true, let Nexus IT consultants do it for you. To find out more, now pay attention to this, go to nexusitc.net, that's N-E-X-U-S-I-T-C, for nexusitconsultants.net, or call them at 435-659-2533. That's 435-659-2533. All right, and we're back. So the first thing we typically do in engaging organizations is find out what the asks are. What are the drivers? Why do you want to improve your cybersecurity? Maybe you're just being smart and you realize, hey, stuff's happening in the industry. Uh, China and Russia are hacking us. And uh, sometimes indiscriminately, it's not just critical infrastructure, it's also other businesses. And that's another podcast for another day in terms of uh, our government uh, friends who <laughs> have active uh, cyber warfare programs. Uh, but it's happening. And, and so what are the drivers? Or is it just business enablement? In other words, the sales team of your organization keeps bumping up 
against clients that are saying, hey, we need to be assured that you're following certain cyber policies. So our security team is going to get in touch with you. And then they forward a Mondo spreadsheet uh, that the business needs to fill out. And often the business goes into atrial fibrillation. We don't know what to do with that. <laughs> or um, you need to be SOC 2. So one of the first things that we do when engaging with a client is to find out what the drivers are. Is it SOC 2? Is it HIPAA? Is it PCI? Is it NERC? Is it ITAR? Or have you had um, uh, a competitor breached and you realize it could happen to you? Or maybe you had a data incident that scared you, or a, a ransomware event, or maybe there was some wire fraud. Maybe you're concerned about all of the phishing and what that could do if one of your employees clicks, clicks on one wrong link or communicates too much information to the wrong entity. Well, so we'll, we'll come in and typically uh, recommend uh, an assessment to see what controls are in place against the CIS controls, which is a prioritized set of actions that collectively form a defense-in-depth group of best practices. And these uh, best practices mitigate the most common attacks against systems and networks. Now, the CIS controls, and you could say this similarly of NIST and ISO 27001, they were developed by a community of IT experts who over time learn to apply their firsthand experience as cyber defenders to create these global uh, security best practices or standards. The experts who set the CIS controls come from a wide range of sectors, including retail, manufacturing, healthcare, education, uh, government, defense, and uh, many others. So doing an assessment against those controls, against that standard, and then... Uh, Writing a, a roadmap will provide a clear path to move forward in protecting corporate IP, privacy, client data, and not only for the sake of, of, uh, of you as a company, but to meet the demands of your unique business and the industries um, that you serve. So um, that's how we like to handle that in a nutshell. That's a good place to start, get an assessment and benchmark it against CIS or whatever you're beholden to. If you're a uh, in the defense industrial base, you may be asked to meet NIST or CMMC, the Cyber Maturity Model Certification. And you don't always have to certify. You just have to prove that you're meeting that standard, and uh, we can come in and do that. Or if you don't want to hire us, that's fine, but hire an organization that's objective, that deals with cybersecurity audits, and, and come in and, and do that assessment and then have them produce a roadmap that will help you not not just here's the gaps have a nice day but how do we move forward well my main main point here is that in 2023 if organizations will have and follow a cyber blueprint they will be successful in warding off attacks or at least be less susceptible uh, you know anything can be hacked or attacked and and eventually everybody has some kind of a data incident even if small or, or maybe large, my, my mother called me not long ago and said, Greg, I've done something bad. Uh-oh, Mom, what did you do? <laughs> and she had been on Facebook Messenger with someone who posed as a friend from her high school, and she'd been talking to this person for an hour about uh, people that she knew and had known, and she thought legitimately that she was talking to an old um, classmate. Well, it got around to the topic of uh, 
ancestors and genealogy. And uh, this entity, this bad actor, convinced my mother that uh, she needed to give her her social security number so that she could, uh, whatever the promise was, log on to various databases, find out more information, get back to her with uh, blah, blah, blah. And unfortunately, before my mom knew what she was doing, she'd provided her social. Well, when she finally realized that, uh uh-oh, this is bad, (laughs) she called me and uh, we made some recommendations, uh, got her credit being monitored and locked. Um, But the damage was done, right? So hopefully we limited that damage. Um, That was a small incident. And uh, organizationally, those kinds of incidents can turn into um, the revealing of credentials, the downloading of malware, which then allows uh, bad actors to pivot within the systems and uh, and then get into uh, more IP, more data, and eventually to ransom systems um, as well. And that, that's no bueno. So um, having a policy and following a framework uh, means that... Um, Although it could still happen, you'll at least be better prepared to have a, a, an incident response, and you'll be much less susceptible to some of the larger scale um, damage that might be done. Now, in this second half of the podcast, I want to address an excellent article written by one of our most valuable fractional CISOs, Mr. Ben Card. Ben's article, which uh, will come out in the next week, uh, is entitled Modern Vulnerability Management. Um, beyond the NIST cybersecurity uh, framework. And uh, I just wanted to mention some of this, uh, some of this article, if I may. I, I felt like it's uh, really interesting. Um, and that is that, uh, and the byline of this article is only 20% of businesses feel protected from breaches. So uh, taking from, uh, and there are many good cybersecurity studies. Uh, we all know the Verizon data breach report comes out every year. Uh, Ivanti just published one that was interesting. And, and in that study, um, um, Ben uh, pulls some interesting data that, that is worth mentioning here. Ben paints the picture by stating that uh, federal, state, and local agencies all generally adhere to the NIST, we've discussed NIST, the National Institutes of Standards and Technology Cybersecurity Framework. But NIST compliance is far from enough to keep those agencies and private organizations safe. We've recently seen attacks against uh, Guadalupe County, Texas, uh, Fremont County, Colorado, Newport, Rhode Island, their city hall. And these attacks indicate an urgent, and these, these are just random attacks throughout the nation, folks. These are going on all the time. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before the city of Atlanta had a big-time ransomware attack. So whether you're small, like uh, Fremont County, Colorado, or Guadalupe County, Texas, or, um, you know, uh, these attacks indicate an urgent need for government agencies to develop a more proactive and risk-based approach to cybersecurity than is provided through just following the framework. Now you're saying, now, Greg, I thought you said following a framework would uh, make things better. Well, it does, (laughs) but cybersecurity is an ongoing process. The thesis of of Ben's article was that the fragmented nature of uh, modern network environments with the use of cloud-based solutions, hybrid solutions, locally hosted solutions, remote work solutions, and so on, creates new and various types and levels of, of risk. So he explains that if organizations can use 
three methods. And then he talks about exposure analysis, risk scoring, and attack visualization. Well, they can, uh, they can successfully uh, identify um, exposure. And uh, so worth mentioning here especially is that, uh, well, and I should back up. So part of the Avante study said that only 20% of the chief information security officers surveyed, surveyed and <clears throat> I don't know how big the sampling was, um, but I suspect it may have been uh, less than 1,000. So uh, with that, um, I suspect that the confidence level as you reached a wider sampling would probably go lower based on what I know about organizations and the cybersecurity arena in general. Uh, but the point is that only 20% of, um, of those CISOs surveyed and, and other leaders were cybersecurity leaders were lumped in. So some of them may have been IT directors or managers, but they believe they are sufficiently protected against the negative impact of data breach um, but most of them said they were at least where they were last year or a little bit ahead. And I'm thinking, wow, 20% is very small of that sampling. And um, so what about the other 80%? And even in the 20%, they're not much better, according to, <laughs> according to their um, opinion on the matter. So um, I thought it was interesting that... Uh, Ben and his um, rounds as a CEO uh, or a CISO, both for us and for other organizations, is that um, exposure analysis, risk scoring, attack visualization can successfully help to identify uh, exposure and strengthen an organization's cybersecurity preparedness. So for those of you listening to this podcast that aren't following a framework, well, that's step number one. For those of you that are, here's step number two. Go in and read this article. Um, I think you'll find it on uh, the webcheckSecurity.com. And uh, I may have given uh, the wrong, uh, it looks like we changed the title of that to only 20% of businesses feel protected from breaches. So uh, that's the name of that, that article. Now, Worth mentioning here, and this is how I'd like to finish out this, uh, this podcast today. Worth mentioning is that with the concept of visualization, or in other words, following risk paths in systems, security teams can better gain visibility into all assets and zero in on how to best reduce exposure. So this is kind of the concept, folks, of sometimes you don't know what you don't know about until you intentionally set out to learn and ask questions. So, so again, there's more information about this uh, on our website. Um, but uh, let me just read an excerpt from, from Ben's article because I, f I find this very interesting. Um, let me find the right, uh, the right thing. Well, I'll summarize this. So what, what Ben said is, is that um, as you look to identify vi uh, vulnerabilities in systems, let's take, for example, your domain controllers. Let's say that you're not updating them on an every 30-day or every 60-day basis. So you're running old software. This could extend to servers. This could extend to myriads of different 
types of products you're running either on your desktops or on your your uh, servers. But <clears throat> to follow that a step further, okay, so our servers are not being updated or our domain controllers aren't being updated. What would happen if a bad actor was able to breach those and, and get into our domain controller? And then the picture becomes clear as you start to ask the questions. Hmm, that would give access to X, Y, and Z. And if they got access to Z, they would have access to, to, to A, B, and C. Wow, this could represent a, a million-dollar breach. So now the picture starts to become clear. It also becomes clear as to what to articulate to business older owners and stakeholders that may hold the budget strings to be able to invest in cyber governance and technologies that may be lacking. Or maybe it's just a new headcount. Uh, maybe it's Nexus IT or a fam favorite MSP to come in and manage certain IT structures uh, so that they stay relevant and updated. There could be a number of outcomes here. But visualization is what makes this possible. Well, how do we finish this podcast in a way that makes you better, or at least uh, in your cyber posture? So number one, realize that the data suggests ransomware attacks, phishing, and sophisticated system attacks will continue to be a thing. So I pose the question, are you following a best practices framework? So again, let me state that again in a different way. Number one, are you following a best practices framework? Because the data suggests that attacks will continue. All right, number two, are your policies written? Have you assigned roles, metrics, KBI, KPIs, and accountability? Are you reporting to someone in the management team that reports into ownership or the C-suite with regards to progress, gaps, uh, risks, etc.? So I'll repeat that in a different way. Do you have a WISP, <laughs> a written information security plan? And is there accountability for the activity on that WISP? And finally, number three, do you have an incident response plan or a playbook? <laughs> Let me tell you a brief story before we adjourn here today in regards to that. And I think of the Rose Bowl, which I recently went to with my business partner and dear friend Jeff Smith and his family. I'm typically, uh, I root for a different team, but I do follow the good old Utah Utes and enjoy uh, in their successes. So I went out to the Rose Bowl with my friend. I said, buy me a shirt and I'll come. And he did, and I came. <laughs> we had a good time. Uh, they had a plan. They had a playbook. And uh, obviously the, the better team won out in the end um, and may have had a better playbook. Well, relate that to sports or to your business plan but in cybersecurity, a data breach must have a playbook what happens when i'm breached what do i do and uh, incidentally we help organizations write those playbooks but doing an assessment and then creating uh, an incident response plan is an important part of risk mitigation uh, so here's the story that i alluded to um, Years ago, uh, we heard the story of a, a, con, uh, a manufacturer that was doing business with the federal government. To make a long story short, they had a terrible ransomware attack. The bad actor sent them an email saying, hey, 
I've got your systems. I know who your manufacturers are. I've got your plans. And, oh, I've locked your systems down, so you can't finish the RFP that you're working on. Well, this organization did not have an incident response plan. They goofed around for several days until the bad actor finally sent them an email saying, hey, you know, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been several days and you've not responded, so I'm going to release information on your clients out to the dark web. You better respond. They, this put them in a very difficult position, and as the clock was ticking, they were missing a deadline for this government RFP, which incidentally they did and lost um, several uh, million dollars. Now, I am not, uh, if there's a business on this line that says, hey, how did you know that story? <laughs> well, this really is a story of several organizations. It happens all the time. And unless you have an incident response plan and can nip things in the bud really quickly, you're going to fail. <laughs> so item number three today is have an incident response plan or a playbook. Well, folks, we all wanted to make this podcast short and sweet today. Hopefully it's provided some valuable information as you look forward to 2023 in terms of your cyber posture and your cybersecurity. Please stay tuned and subscribe to Vistas as each month we'll bring you new information about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and other great topics. For those organizations needing to start, please do reach out to us at 1-833-PENTEST or talk to your favorite MSP and say, hey, let's get WebCheck Security in here. We work through partners of ours, CPA firms, for those needing advanced resources to help further the path to test your app, system, social, or physical security, also reach out to us. That's what we do. Thank you so much for listening here today. And again, please subscribe. Follow us on LinkedIn. And check back from time to time for new releases and expert content. Visa thanks again Nexus IT, its sponsor for world-class security and home automation. Uh, whatever the case may be, call Nexus. And uh, you can go find out more at uh, nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. Now, the music you've been listening to has been provided by Suit Up Soldier and can be downloaded on Spotify, Apple Music, and other popular platforms. Until next time, do and say things that lift and build others. And have a great and productive 2023.